Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Mario, help! Oh, hey, Mario, I'll be taking care of Princess Toadstool now. Boing, boing. Super jump attack! Oh, you think you're gonna hurt me with your childish pranks? Attention, Princess Toadstool, you come with me. Zip your lip! Help! Help! Somebody please help me! Help! Oh my gosh. It's. Mom! Mom, look who we have! A guest! Class is in session, and today it's all about Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university founder from Bear Punch Media and now a PR rep for Stride PR, previously our guest professor on episode 19, having all to do about Dragon Age 2, Mr. Josh Silverman. How's it going, Josh? Welcome back. I'm excited to be back. It's been it's 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 nice to be here again nearly a year later to be uh talking about yet another one of my favorite RPGs. I know you're ringing in 2021 with <gasps> this is the first ep- like main episode of the new year. Wow. The honor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we had to open it up with a bang. It's like Super Mario RPG. Let's do it cuz this game deserves it. Absolutely. So, so good. But yes, we are talking this time about the original Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. Initially, it was released on the Super Nintendo on May 13th, 1996 in the U.S. and was released in on March 9th, 1996 in Japan. Eventually, we would get it on the Virtual Console on the Wii, which released on June 24th, 2008. And then Australia and Europe got it for the first time on October, excuse me, August 22nd, 2008. In the U.S. got it September 1st, 2008. Fast forward about seven years and the Wii U was out. So, of course, this game also had to come out there. It would release on the Japanese Wii U eShop on August 5th, 2015. In Australia on Christmas Eve, 2015, Christmas Day in Europe. And on June 30th, 2016. So we got it uh, almost half a year after European countries. And then, of course, it was also part of the Super NES Classics Edition that was released in small quantities and then uh, spiked in price. So that's what happened. But to get your listeners uh, in the mindset of other games you might have been playing in 1996, the same year that Super Mario RPG came out, Crash Bandicoot, the very first one released on the PlayStation, Civilization 2, Donkey Kong Country 3, Mario Kart 64, Super Mario 64, Duke Nukem 3D, Elder Scrolls 2, Daggerfall, Pokemon Gen 1, Red and Blue, released, the original Diablo released, and Star Wars Shadow of the Empire also released on the N64. So a lot of games, like this came out very late in the Super Nintendo life cycle. 
It's so, wild for me to think about the yeah. fact that this came out the same year this, the the and Nintendo 64 came out. Like, that's weird for me to, like, try to think about. Yeah. Like, a lot of these, when I see, like, the crossover, like, my, my memory is so segmented from 16-bit to 3D, like, 32-bit consoles. So mm-hmm. when I see that, like, Mario RPG or DK, Donkey Kong Country 3 came out the same year as super mario 64 or mario kart 64 it's like really like yeah, seriously that does not overlap in my brain at all <laughs> does not compute that feels like a i feel like there was a two-year my brain tells me there's like a gap of at yeah. least a year or two between those two things yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy but we are here to talk about super mario rpg so josh what was your first experience with this game? Like, did you have it day the day it released? Did you play it later? When did you first experience this magical game? I would have played it somewhere near release. I can't tell you if it was exact like release date or something like that, but it was definitely very close to release. Um, uh, Super Nintendo was my favorite console, and um, I was you know 11 years old actually what was the release date of this again that was that this was a month before this my was May. Uh, yeah a month before my 11th birthday so yeah i um i was a big super mario fan um i tended to just like to play games that were super mario related um and i was very picky about things and yeah i i want to what my memory tells me is i saw the game um I would say I saw the game at Toys R Us, is is what my memory is telling me. And yeah, I just literally just was like, cool, it's a Mario game. I want to play it. I'd never played an RPG before this. This was my mm-hmm. very first RPG. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, this I, must yeah. definitely have a special place in your heart then. Pretty much it was this, and then what, a couple of years later, Final Fantasy VIII. That was mm-hmm. my first two RPGs. So uh, th- yeah, th- this so much so, this game, that... This was a game that I just genuinely did not know how the hell to play (laughs) at all. Did not understand at all what I was necessarily supposed to be doing. I was just fascinated by this, you know, quasi 3D Mario world. That was Mm -hmm. what what attracted me to it. Yeah, for me, I remember renting it. Like, I didn't own a copy of this game for years and years. Like, I never owned it brand new, um... But I remember renting it and playing through it. That's kind of how I played through it my first time. And then every time it came out, like on the Wii, I picked it up. On the Wii U, I picked it up. Um, And then eventually I did get my own physical card of this game. And it was, it's such a good game. And like, it's so charming. It's a really good, I find, kind of beginner RPG because it's, it retains kind of like the world map system of like Mario three and stuff. And it doesn't take its, it definitely doesn't take itself seriously. Not it's at a all. very silly lighthearted game with some fantastic characters. Um, so that those are what really I fell in love with. And it has a much more engaging, uh, combat system that we'll, we'll of course talk about, but being able to like charge to hold Geno beam or, um, the different key commands or tapping uh, the jump button, the A button in time for Mario to do more jumps, things like that. It was like, this is so cool. And that, that combat system by- ruined me, by the way, for RPGs f- for all time. 
because I now to this day still believe that if I hit A or whatever confirm button is at the exact right moment when a move mm-hmm. hits in every RPG since that it's going to oh, do yeah. more damage, that it's going to initiate a critical or something thereof. And I can't honestly think of another game that that, that actually worked in, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Between this and Pokemon Gen 1, where I was positive and still to this day positive, if I hold a correct button combination right as the Pokeball hits, mm-hmm. it will, like, have a better chance of catching. Like, mixing this with timed hits and timed defense, like, perfect defense, mm-hmm. it's like, like you said, it's ruined me. I just assume now, going forward for the rest of my life, I will have to, not only when things get really tense in a game, I have to physically, like, <laughs> shift to the side or shift forward to get like really serious but i will also have to time my hits in every game i play like every yep. rpg i play it's it, it, it was uh it was ruining uh yeah. it, to my mental ability to with gaming and i and I, I i kind of appreciate it in a frustrated sort of way <laughs> <laughs> just think of it as like you're doing some ab crunches and like some exercises with your with your finger extra finger exercises now there you go we need all the help we can get now that we're older oh god so So, this game takes mario and company through a wide variety of worlds we get all sorts of brand new characters like malo and gino and frog fuchsius um booster what was what are when you think mario rpg like what memory or thoughts come to your mind right away. So what it's is like Super a, Mario to you. It's a split divide thing. When I think, uh, well, if I just think just Mario RPG, what pops into my head? It's the Forest Maze theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just literally, and then that'll repeat in my head for pretty much anywhere from from five minutes to a year and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gets stuck in my brain, and that and uh, what is it? It's um. Uh, Rose Town music will also get stuck in mm-hmm. it. Sometimes overlapping, which, <clears throat> oof, that does not sound great. But hey, <laughs> you know, the brain does what it wants to do. But so that's kind of like the first things that come to mind um, because I just associate the music so inherently with the with the game itself. But when I, but when I think of Super Mario RPG, like I just kind of just, I think of the locations. Mm-hmm. Because again, like I was obsessed. Mm, actually, obsessed with. I was so deeply interested in Mario, and as I said, I was ten, turning eleven, and it was at that age where I was starting to uh, understand the concept of lore and things like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Mario lore kind of thing." And then there's this RPG, and like, "Oh, you know, coming out of um, coming out of Super Mario World, which was you know this big explorable world," and it was like, "Oh." What's gonna be in what's gonna be in this game? Is this like somehow thinking there was a continuity before I knew the word continuity? Yeah, um, which obviously there isn't. And it was like, oh, all, so all the different locations I could explore because I, I think essentially I was remembering the ending of Super Mario World where the credits just take you through every locale, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was envisioning that, but you know, in this in this RPG thing. So um, when I think of Super Mario RPG, the music starts playing and I start walking through all the locations, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is, you know, essentially what the credits of the game do yeah. uh, for this one as well. And yeah, so that, that's, that's like what kind of plays through my head and then 800,000 other various things involving <laughs> characters and stuff like that. And my unrelenting love of Mallow and the fact that 
I don't like Gino that much, and I'm probably the only, I'm probably gonna get like persecuted for saying that. But. <laughs> uh, for me, like when I think Super Mario RPG, I think the Cloud Kingdom with their little cloud mm-hmm. taxi cars and um, everything, everything about Nimbus Land is amazing. Yeah, um, Mallow's parents and finding out Mallow and his reaction when he realizes he's not a tadpole. Um, it's like those whimsical visuals are like what really stick out to me that in the forest maze mm-hmm. where you first and where you first get Gino. Um, yep. but there's, there's so many wonderful, like timeless moments associated with this game, whether it's hiding from booster when he's peeking behind the blinds, uh, to Gino coming to life or Mario's pantomiming of events because he can't talk and the Chancellor kind of interpreting interpreting it or Bowser oh. kissing Mario or Bowser like, and Booster oh. kissing Mario. All the different yeah. variations of ways that Mario can slash can be kissed slash can kiss other people is mm-hmm. and the fact that to this day people are still not 100% certain what causes some of them sometimes <laughs> because I've play- replayed the game looking at a walkthrough just to purposely see a certain scene uh, in that in that sequence and just seen so many guides that just cannot agree mm-hmm. on the exact way that works. But, but yeah, it's, it's all the difference. It's all the, um, all the different locations and different characters and just what um, I talked about with someone else once recently, it's also the fact that they made monsters in Super Mario into characters. Um, yeah. Like, they actually have personalities, the Goombas you know, have personalities here and there. Um, and it's not just, I don't mean just mean speaking personalities, I mean literally the actions they make in combat and there's, there's essentially you get super mario rpg you get these super mario characters but with the final fantasy bullshit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and in the best way possible it's uh and i love how how many brand new characters are in this game absolutely um fleshing out kind of that lore that you that you mentioned my personal favorite addition to this game in terms of not main party characters was the axum rangers uh, as uh, a big Power Rangers <laughs> fan, I lost my mind with the Axum Rangers. It's like, how cool is this? And it's such a a look into that period of history. Like, mid-90s, Power Rangers was huge in the West. It's been going, it had been going on for probably two decades at that point in Japan with Super Sentai. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that they brought these ranger-esque characters these color coordinated characters into super mario rpg which is such a departure from anything up to that point yeah there were there were like the coop the colored koopa kids and everything and later paper mario games but those were more like ninja turtle themed but this was it was just so good well i mean yeah you're literally um you're fighting these Power Ranger ripoffs, essentially, on a gigantic airship where you're also fighting the airship itself. It was literally like, all right, everything else in this has had, like, touches of mm-hmm. Final Fantasy and, you know, Japanese culture. Everything else in this game has had, like, these little touches of it. We need to have one thing that just goes for it. But it wasn't just that sequence. It was the fact that up to this point, every star you'd gone after had a big boss battle 
Yeah. And then you got the star and you moved on. But in this case, you fought the uh, the fought, you fought the I never know how to say it, the, the star the star dragon I think or however mm-hmm. you say it. We fought the dragon. It was a hard fight, particularly like as I'm older, I now understand RPG mechanics better. But that first time I played it, I must have spent hours trying to beat the damn thing, just not understanding I wasn't leveled up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Finally beat it, and all of a sudden, you know the din 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 music, and all of a sudden, it gets swiped away from you. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart, you uh, ignored the rush and you backtracked and you say you know and you saved up and you healed up and stuff, or you're like me and you just made a damn sprint up that uh, that that up through that cavern, uh, being mocked the whole way, and suddenly mm-hmm. you're in this battle on an airship, and it's like, what the hell is this? Then also, if you're me, a huge Power Rangers fan, uh, you know, little brat of a kid, you're sitting there like, well, this isn't the exact way the Power Rangers are. This isn't the exact color coordination, yeah. but that's a whole other ridiculous <laughs> nonsense. But it's literally just how that sequence builds out, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just brilliant storytelling for how simplistic it is. Mm-hmm. And using the Czar Dragon as an example, it's like, that's one of the... That's like a square touch because the Czar Dragon, for those of you who don't know, was a um, cut boss, like super boss, from Final Fantasy VI. So, I like this Kaiser, Yeah, Kaiser Dragon or the Czar Dragon was this cut boss that was supposed you were supposed to fight in Final Fantasy VI after you had beaten all the other dragons. Um, like his sprite and everything still in the game, but he was cut. It was the same enemy of a super dragon and everything that they then used in Super Mario RPG. So this is like a an homage to the cut content or the cut boss from Final Fantasy VI. So then, yeah, so we literally have we have that we have Kulix we have all these really cool Final Fantasy mm-hmm. boss touches you know pulled from or literally in the case of this dragon like something straight up ripped out of one game and put into another yeah like that's cool actually I had, that's actually a piece of lore I did not know or... yeah it's completely different sprite but yeah sure. it's the Kaiser the dragon the Zar dragon yep was originally a, a cut boss in Final Fantasy 6 nice and that and because you brought it up Kulix who is a f- literally like looks straight out of final like a Final Fantasy game super boss uh, has four colored crystals like the elemental crystals floating around him that you have to deal with and it has the a remix of the Final Fantasy 4 boss theme locked behind a door that you can fight as this game's super boss yeah I mean, blew my mind yeah it's the secret boss of the game pretty much and it's like I, I still remember coming across that because by the time I got that far in the game, I'd actually bought strategy guides because mm-hmm. I was just I was just not good at video games, um, and I always needed help with stuff and I needed tips and tricks and all those things. And so you know, I learned how to do this and um, and, and things like that. I remember going to challenge the boss and being like, "Oh, this is so this is that their Final Fantasy I've heard about," <laughs> you know, kind of thing because I I didn't know anything. I'd heard kids in school talking about you know. Uh, whatever mm-hmm. Final Fantasy games kind of in passing, and I was just like, "That's not for me." You know that that's not. Oh God, so stupid. <laughs> but like, uh, like that, that's, been there. That, that that's not my thing. And but then like I heard kind of again like the music and saw the nonsense of it, and I was like, "All right, I see what you're doing. I'm gonna pretend I don't like this, but I really like this." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, one of the things that. uh also 
certainly deserves recognition. It, and you touched a bit on this earlier. What a killer soundtrack this game has. Oh, yeah. it's it, The soundtrack is just absolutely amazing. Every single song in the entire game from the start to the end is just an absolute amazing piece. Mm-hmm. With this coming out so late in the Super Nintendo's life cycle, like, and Square had already knocked it out of the park at this point with all their other Super Nintendo RPGs, but, like, this is, like, they knew what they were doing. Like, there's so much charm and heart and kind of emotion in all these tracks, and they're so catchy that it's, I would rank Super Mario RPG's soundtrack as one of the best on the system, hands oh, down. absolutely. Hands down. <laughs> so, with the characters, did you have, like, a go-to party? Like, who were your go-to characters? I mean, Mario, Bowser, Peach, pretty much. I mean, uh, late game, that just became the party, and also, like, I lost my absolute mind when Bowser became a party member, and I was a Mm -hmm. huge fan of King Koopa slash Bowser, you know? So, like, that just made me lose my mind. And, uh, I mean, it was just the best put-together party, but um, as I said before, Mallow is pretty much my favorite character in the game, so... um, while I'd always defeat the game with Mario, Peach, and Bowser, I tried to use Mallow as much as possible. But also, mm-hmm. the last, like, I don't know, ten times, ever since I, ever since the time I re- played the game, I want to say around, what year would this have been, around 2011 or so, I always max out the level of my characters. So I play as uh, as everyone, pretty much. But uh, uh, party-wise, it's really kind of hard to beat uh, the combination. Mm-hmm of Mario, Peach, Bowser, or uh, Mario, Bowser, Gino, if you just want to absolutely steamroll everything you're fighting. Yeah. I will admit, for as great as this game was, there were some really easy, broken ways to, like, oh, just yeah. steamwreck this game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of the most easy-to-break games, even very early on. It is mm-hmm. very easy to turn this game into just an absolute joke of a thing (laughs) yeah and that's not i wouldn't i listeners out there do not take this as a a detriment to the game i think it's just part of its charm but and then again the era of super nintendo rpgs like yeah it's just that era of games were very difficult at the time and then as we learned more about playing games Mm -hmm. and this game just happens to have a lot of fun things you could do with it too and some incredibly broken pieces of equipment. Cough, cough, lazy <laughs> shell, cough, cough. <laughs> I mean, lazy shell breaks the damn game entirely. Yes. Um, that being said, my favorite weapon is still Mario's Mega Glove. Mm-hmm. Mostly for the sound effects. but Yeah, the sound effects were great. Um, my my brain, uh, for, every, um, for every weapon in the game, my brain attributes words to the mm-hmm. sounds. So I, I can't remember. I think uh, for, for the Mega... Uh, make a glove. I it was like shut up was how what my, like what my brain heard, and then there was like go down, and then there was like get off. Like there were all these different like <laughs> things that I I can't tell you what they are because I haven't now played the game in about a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But like when I'm playing it, my brain actively every single time I use certain weapons, just it, it just translates sound effect into words that I thought of, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years ago. <laughs> and I, oh <laughs> god, something wrong with me. <laughs> Oh, not at all. Not at all. So with, I'm curious, you have kids. Have you or have they played Super Mario RPG with you at all yet? 
No, um, so my oldest is six and my youngest turns uh, three at the end of April. And um, okay. my youngest is still doesn't have like anywhere near the focus. And we never really mm-hmm. did that whole like even when he was a baby, he didn't we didn't do the sit on my lap while I play games thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my oldest only really got into games recently. Um, okay. He he dabbled with Minecraft starting at four years old, but it was more um, the way his brain works. He liked to look at the sunset. He liked the time lapse aspect. He only mm-hmm. started actually playing video games in the last like month or two. So um, he, he he neither one of them have the focus for something yeah. like this. Though it is on my list. I have my um, I have my uh, SNES Classic sitting behind me at all times, and I'm figuring sometime this year I'm gonna expose my oldest to it and just. Uh, do what I did. I did a stream. Uh, one of the last streams I ever did on Twitch was Super Mario RPG, and I did voices for every single character. So my plan is to do that for him. Uh, oh, and just very kind of cool. Put on a play, but uh, yeah, that'll, that'll probably be sometime later in the year. I can't remember. This game doesn't have any sort of a a multiplayer aspect where a second player could use nothing control other characters. Does it? No, it is one hundred percent single player. Um, no additional control there. I mean, there's this, you know, there's, um, I, I was even trying to think, I mean, there's not, yeah, there's not even like, there's not even like naming things. Like, um, when I played one of the sword and shield Pokemon game, mm-hmm. I had my, I, I had my oldest name, all my Pokemon that, that I caught kind of thing. So there's not, there's not even really, there's not a, like that okay. kind of dad mode or older brother, or older sister mode. And it. it's just a straight up single player game. Okay. Cause I know like. Final Fantasy 3 or Final Fantasy 6, I know you can have it set so a second player can control some characters. I wasn't sure if they brought that over to Super mm-hmm. Mario RPG or not. Not that I'm aware of, unless it's like some hidden setting. Nah, I just looked just because I was curious, and it, and it's saying it's, it is single, uh, only single player, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, okay. yeah, for my party, I was usually Mario, Gino, and then Peach. Okay. Uh, just Peach because she's the healer, and Gino For because sure. I I love Gino. And as a big Mega Man X fan, I loved holding Y to charge the Gino beam. Oh yeah. Uh, and just the sound effect it made. Like I the mean, oh, I hear it in my head. Um, that and then um, uh, I think is is Gino Blast the one that makes like pillars of light appear all over the place. Um. I know Gino Blast is either that one or the giant cannon, but whatever the one is that Gino has the Gino gi- Blast, I want to say, is the cannon. Okay. Well, then whichever one is the one that causes the pillars of lights, like I hear that sound effect in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. I was always partial, though, to Gino Whirl, the one where he shoots you know, the Frisbee out, essentially. And if yeah. you trigger it, you hit the button again exactly right when it's off the screen, it just does 9,999 damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's just another thing that, uh, you know, just... Can break the game. <laughs> it uses an absurd amount of uh, SP, which was, you know, the magic points, you know, the special mm-hmm. points kind of thing. It uses an absurd amount, but frankly, um, if you're that far into the game that you've unlocked that, you probably don't care. <laughs> okay, it was Geno Blast that had the rays fall down. Okay, okay. And then it was uh, Geno Flash, I believe, that was the Flashes the cannon. Flashes the cannon. Yep. Flashes yep. The cannon. Um, and just, <laughs> I love... I'm watching the Geno moveset right now. And, like, Geno Blast, he fires... He turns into a cannon, fires this giant, like, bullet that explodes. And then just... Why not? There's just, like, a cute little face blinking 
inside yep. the explosion. Because why, why the hell why not? not? <laughs> and then when it explodes, it like tenses up and then explodes. It's just so cute. And Malo has moves like that as well, uh, where he summons the giant star that bounces across. Uh, yeah, uh, the star that you can make endlessly bounce as long as you click the button right as mm-hmm. it's flexing. Uh, yeah, on the subject of the special moves, I was just thinking about this, like... I said I use Bowser pretty much throughout the game from the moment he's unlocked. But what's funny about Bowser is almost all of his uh, special moves are essentially debuffs. Mm -hmm. Like, they are almost entirely debuffs. And the game is not made for buffing and debuffing. Other than maybe uh, using Geno's one, uh, I can't remember what it is, but the one that raises attack and then if you trigger it right, it raises defense as well. Otherwise, like, the debuffing thing of Bowser's moves is absolutely useless in this game <laughs> uh, and it's just and it's so fascinating to me because he is really just a all right hit attack do this do do yep then they hit the action to make the attack do this okay cool and then next person <laughs> carry mm-hmm. on i don't know I was just i was just thinking about that yeah it's it's interesting out of all the characters i feel like mario got shafted the most in terms of created creativity like he can shoot progressively bigger fireballs or he can jump a lot. And he could jump a lot. So, he, yeah, he essentially goes from he has jump, which is just the basic jump that you can mm-hmm. kind of boost. Then the fireball, which is you rapidly hit it. Then it's you jump on one enemy multiple times. And then it's fireball, gigantic fireball, one enemy multiple times. And then it's you jump on a bunch of enemies multiple times. And then you fireball a bunch of enemies multiple times. Yeah. And that is it. And, and it's, it's like, just the fireball is just a steadily progressively larger version of the same sprite. Exactly. It's, it, you know, yeah, Mario, as far as moves go, it's just like, Mario shoots fireball and jump. Uh, we're good with that. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Though, on the subject of that, uh, did you ever break, hit, the, like, the record amounts uh, for Super Jump for Mario? I don't think game? I did, no. The best I ever did, I believe, was 31, from what I remember, which unlocks mm-hmm. the first thing you get, but I've, I've never even come... I think it's a hundred to get the. Um, well, I forget what it's called, but to get. I didn't the, even uh, know you could unlock things by doing, like certain amounts of. I forget super what, jumps. I forget what thirty gets you, but a uh, hundred gets you. I believe it's the super scarf, which literally breaks the game. If you unlock the super scarf, nothing. It, you're just done. The game is just completely <laughs> broken. Um, uh, that is literally because the, the the purpose of it was is there's no, almost no chance you can do this, and on a modern TVs it is pretty much impossible. Um, mm-hmm. You ha- you have to pretty much be on a CRT TV to do it. at least that's everything I've ever read about it. I, I know that playing on the uh, SNES Classic, I can I can't do super jumps to save my life, mm-hmm. literally not to save my life. <laughs> uh, but I but it was much easier in the CRT uh, TV days. Uh, the the olden times, olden times before technology advanced. Yeah. I love how Peach can just like throw bombs at people. That is good too. <laughs> it's just like yeah, I'm gonna put people to sleep and I'm gonna chuck bombs at people and it's gonna be great and I'm gonna revive people. But I I love the uh, it's just just so funny. But then like I said, you look at Mario and it's just like fireball or jump. Which do you want? Um, well, I was gonna say you want to talk about ridiculous ones. We already talked about the star with Mal with Mallow, but like, then he just 
makes a gigantic snowman by you wiggling the D-pad around. Snowy. That's the name of the attack. Snowy. Snowy. And it's just like, okay, cool. I mean, clouds, I get it, but what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it has a fez on it and a cute little face Mm -hmm. that blinks and then it just disappears. It's like, okay, cool, Malo. It's... I think, honestly, one of my favorite kind of, like, quest lines or storylines in this game is Milo and Frogfucius. Oh, sure. And the whole him thinking he's a tadpole for a majority until you get to Nimbus Land and all of that. Like, that cracked me up. Like, still thinking about it, it cracks me up. Yeah, I always loved, um, I loved Frogfucius in that whole area, but also because I really liked the, um, the mini game of making music with, a mm-hmm. uh, to- whatever, Todevsky or whatever, um... I really loved uh, just that entire area and stuff. But, yeah, the Mallow storyline was great going from, you know, just being this, by the game calls him this crybaby, he gets robbed by Croco, to suddenly it's like, actually, you're uh, from an ancient distant land to, well, actually, uh, you're the long-lost prince. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like the the, the journey he goes, like, it's why it's so funny to me that Mallow is one of the lesser useful characters in the game because he really gets more of the story of, of, a, of a story and a character arc than anyone save maybe Gino uh, and Gino really his story arc is that he's just like you know the, the main character uh, with Star Roads less than an actual story Mallow actually gets story elements throughout mm-hmm. the whole game and character development and stuff yeah Gino's basically a guardian angel like he's yep. just sent down possesses a cool body a cool toy body to save the world. Yep. Pretty, pretty much. <sighs> I just... Speaking on the topic of Gino. Why has Gino been in nothing? Like, I don't know why. There's, I feel like there's so much desire for something Gino. And Square's just like, nah, fam. I mean, I am gonna, I'm going to assume it's a 100% based in legalities things. I mean, we all know that uh, Square and uh, Nintendo had a falling out um, after, pretty much, which is what led to the Final Fantasy games becoming a PlayStation exclusive Mm -hmm. for so long. Um, Square and and Nintendo had a falling out uh, right after Super Mario RPG came out, pretty much. And I just think that it's just tied into, like, a bad blood thing. I think it's just, you know, Nintendo has the rights to the Mario characters. Square has the rights to this and they just never really uh, want to work with each other. Obviously, we've seen little touches here and there, particularly with like the Geno outfit coming mm-hmm. to Smash Brothers and things like that. But yeah, I just I just think that there's got to be some like ridiculous legalities behind the scenes that just does not allow uh, Geno to really be used. Um, I mean, literally anything from Super Mario RPG. Because you think about mm-hmm. it, I know Geno is the most popular character because he's you know. The, the edgy Pinocchio toy character kind of thing that became popular and clearly should have had action figures if anyone was smart mm-hmm. uh, about it, and it, it didn't. Um, but, like, I mean, like, literally anything related to this game has just never reappeared that was originally in the game. So Mallow's never appeared, Booster's never appeared, um, any of the characters created for this game, any of the locations created for this game. The uh, the only stuff that's reappeared is stuff that was pre-existing, you know, Yoshi's yeah. Island. Though it's, uh, you know, it's called Uester or whatever island in Super Mario RPG. That name has never come back. Um, all these different things are just part of this game because I assume there's a rights issue that will never fully be solved. 
which is why yeah. literally Super Mario RPG is the only thing I've ever written a fanfic about. <laughs> Ooh, what happens in your fanfic? Now I need I to didn't, know. I didn't get far enough into it. It was literally just a sequel, and I think the basic premise of it, the basic premise of it was, uh, you know, what an 11-year-old would write. So, you know, uh-oh, Smithy wasn't really defeated, and there was a much bigger threat out there. Smithy was only the lieutenant. There was a bigger threat, and this bigger threat broke apart the Star Road again, and Gino came back. But now Mallow is a king and some other stuff. Because I think I jumped like five or ten years. Like, but when I say fanfic, I mean like I wrote the I wrote a I don't know. I probably wrote like five hundred a five hundred word quote unquote story mm-hmm. by hand in pen. <laughs> like that's what I, I want it. I I want it too. I found my I I wrote a my uh, I wrote another quasi fan fiction about the uh dogs with a z you know the uh, uh pet care games is the only other fanfic thing i wrote i still have that one laying around somewhere i got no idea where the super mario rpg one is i think that may have just been lost to history because again physical book and all i did, how how did you write a fanfic about dogs um i was very obsessed with planet of the apes movies so it was planet of the dogs and the idea basic premise of it was that the dogs escape from the computer uh, due to a computer glitch and uh, go on to enslave humanity. Okay, then. That turned dark. I wasn't <laughs> anticipating that. I was not yeah, expecting I, that. That turn. The plot as I twists. Was, as I was telling it, I'm going to straight up with you. As I'm telling it, I'm like, yeah, it was a lighthearted thing that I wrote when I, was around, when I was about 11 years old. And as the words were leaving my mouth, I'm like, no, it wasn't lighthearted at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's like if Digimon goes goes bad. Yeah, that's great though. I, I... Uh, but uh. It... speaking of Smithy, I remember for the longest time when I was younger, I thought Smithy was the Smithy was the sword that stabbed Bowser's castle. Oh sure, I mean yeah, I mean that's kind of how the game is written. That's mm-hmm. because Smithy is the is you know as we find out is the main villain, and we saw a sword stab. Ergo, that's the thing. I still remember the battle against the sword Exor and it's being named mm-hmm. Exor and me sit- sitting there being like, is his name like Exor Smithy or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was trying to like, like reason no. out what the hell it is. It's like, nah, it's just, th- th- there's another world within, within it. Speaking of the sword stabbing down, I fucking love the beginning scene of Mario RPG where Mario's mm-hmm. storming the castle. It's like such a, it reminds me kind of like um, the intro to Castlevania Symphony of the Night where you're storming the castle and you're like playing the end of the previous game. I very much got that feeling like you're playing the end of a, of a previous game. Like it could be like the original Mario, like getting and finally rescuing Peach and then, uh, but no, like jumping and fighting on the, the chandeliers and having to knock the chandelier down and, super dramatic music and then the sword stabbing through and Mario getting flung away like I love the intro to this game oh it's one of my so favorite much. intros to gaming so much it's as you literally just said it's you're get you're put into this position where you are playing the end of a previous game and you're le- and they literally are teaching you the mechanics of the game very subtly in the sense of sometimes you don't attack the mm-hmm. boss sometimes you have to attack something else um and that whole idea is played so damn well and then yeah you 
defeat Bowser by knocking him down. You jump up, you save Peach, and suddenly a gigantic sword rips through the heavens, stabs the castle, and, you know, you wake up in your... You get flung into your house and wake up. <laughs> it's like... It's such a it's such a it's such a solid opening that it makes mm-hmm. me smile every time I play it. It's just so good. It's there's good. Th- uh, there's so many good like we we haven't even touched on Crocker or like the edgy Yoshi. <laughs> oh, there's just or Yoshi in general. Um one thing that I think uh wasn't all that great in this game which it, admittedly is because of the times and kind of this perspective the forced uh platforming in some areas not the oh best. it's rough it's not uh the best. trying to get up the um that that challenge to climb the peak which also has a thing to get up in a certain amount of time to unlock something is mm-hmm. uh it needless complicated and then there's another one to climb across um uh blocks are disappearing and stuff like Every now and again, you're like, I finally understand the platforming, and I understand the physics of this game, and I understand the 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 map positioning, and then just and then and then you realize you don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the game it just tells you, actually, uh, screw you, we're, we're gonna rip this up, uh, we're gonna rip this away from you. And I remember a particular area, or a couple, where it's like you you jump onto the rotating flowers, and you have to jump off in the right direction to land on like. Uh, the little blocks that will rotate around you and like those like one by one square platformings always infuriate me uh, yeah, to land on them. It's obnoxious sometimes. Again, it's one of those things yeah. like sometimes you get on a roll and you're like, I totally understand this. I The game has clicked and then it just, it just, it mm-hmm. just doesn't. You, you just, you, you literally, you try to jump from one, you know, single square thing to another and it doesn't meet up or sometimes you literally just try to walk from one to another and mm-hmm. <laughs> physics goes haywire and you just miss it completely yep so quickly you lose mm-hmm. uh, but it's such a in the scheme of things it's such a minor nitpick oh uh, yeah absolutely and, and really it's just because of the times and having a deep head and having a mixture of the three quarter view and whatnot but exactly Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. But we are not the only ones that absolutely love this game, so let's go around the web. First up, we have user Tamekichi from Reddit. One of the most memorable areas of the game for me was Star Hill. It wasn't at first. As a child, I didn't understand why this area existed. There didn't seem to be any huge puzzle or boss fight in it. It was easy to just jump. It was easy to just skip right through. But as I played the game, I fell in love with the story and grew up. It's something I kept remembering. Why did the developers put that in the game? Just for Easter eggs? For artists to have something to do? As a child, I felt incredible being able to recognize one of the wishes as being made by Luigi. Here, and, gra- <laughs> and gradually playing the game and replaying the game allowed me to recognize more and more of them. One of the themes of the game is not rushing to judgment, but instead trying to understand a character outside the idea of good and evil. Many enemies you fight, a lot of times with humor, are revealed to be just characters with their own wants struggling to achieve their wishes. Yes. Toads or, mole, 
tolls or the moles are good, but we're encouraged over the game to reassess characters like Krako, Bowser, Booster, Knife, and the Great Guy, Johnny, or the Axum Rangers, in the context of their own struggles, not just as roadblocks to Mario's story. The entirety of Monster Town is there that we can't possibly ignore this idea, and Star Hill is this beautiful little reprieve from the meaty game aspects which helps emphasize that everyone has wishes, from Sniffets to Cloud People. And knowing their wishes helps humanize them to us, especially because it's left up to us, the player, to recognize whose wishes we're reading from the stars. Eventually, it became my favorite thing about this game, because I think it helps encapsulate and show off a lot of the aspects folks are mentioning in this thread. Story, theme, characters, music, art, secrets, and easter eggs. As the player, I wanted to fix Star Hill, because Gino said that's what he was there for. But it was only after visiting it, reading the wishes, traversing all the lands, and recognize the wishes, that made me stop to realize at the end, I wanted to fix Star Hill for everyone I had come across. Whether they were Mario's enemy or friend, they all deserve to wish for their happiness. Well, that was beautiful. I know, right? <laughs> like, it was a longer one, but reading it, uh, I was just like, it struck a chord. Like, it was a really well, like, what a no, it's great view. No, it's very true. I mean, Star Hill is, you know... I don't. I really have not much more I can say on this Star Hill, but Star Hill uh, is a location that yeah, you don't. There's no boss. You literally, uh, you fight a couple of enemies, you see some stuff, and you get an uh, and you get a star. Like it's that's from a from a purely like outside glance that it was what it is, but really it is kind of like the heart of the game. It's this reprieve that gives you a chance to kind of uh, I don't know learn more about the the world around you. And for me, I you know, got very excitable mm -hmm. because. It was a moment uh, for Luigi to be in the game, which, you know, my favorite character in Mario stuff. So I was like, ah, very excited there. But um, yeah, Star Hill is cool. And that's very well written. Uh, yes. Yes. So thank you, user Tamakichi, uh, from the Reddit uh, thread that I started. So it was a great memory and moment. You share. Mm -hmm. You want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, user Rudy the Clown stated, "There are a ton, honestly. The shyster attack on the Mushroom Kingdom really got me a really got me aback as a child. I was like, I never thought they would be attacked directly. You have never seen such a thing before. Then from Midas River onward, it just got better and better. The creation of Gino, the Forest Maid, Yoster Isle, the Minecart Ride, the insanity, the insanity and wild ride that is Booster's Tower, as well as Bowser joining your party." The Marymore Hotel side quest, the battle against the cake, Nimbus Land, and then the final dungeon, with which was some of the most intense memories I had ever finishing a game as a child. I could go on and on about it. I also loved how invested, invested some of the side quests were in the game. There is the obligatory obtaining the lazy shell and fighting Culix, but my favorite had always been entering the secret casino. When I found out about that, my mind was blown, thinking I'd just about been everywhere. Lovely game, easily ranks among my top five SNES games still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it, there's so much to explore and kind of discover in this game. Yeah, that's what I always say to people. Like, you know, just again, like the Great Guy Casino. It's like, there's no, you do not, there's nothing about that. There's no reason you should even be aware that exists. And the way to unlock it is so... 
like it's such a it's such a different thing because you have to unlock it and then you also have to get a card to get into it. Like <laughs> there's no reason to even be aware that exists. Uh, mm -hmm. and so it's like there's like th th there's all these cool little secrets in the game and then just yeah the path uh, uh, the the main story path that leads you along to all these places. It's it's wonderful. This this is one of my favorite aspects of RPGs. It's those little Easter eggs or locations or quests that reward players who really dive into a game and explore and try things and just immerse themselves in the world that they're playing and that had been made for them. Mm -hmm. uh, like this casino and everything. So Thank you, Rudy the Clown, for sharing that. Next up, we have user Jucklock from Reddit. As someone who only just played it, I really like the final area. It's pretty different compared to the cosmic scale godly whatever in most JRPGs. I really like the aesthetic and fight and fighting his minor minions all over again. It feels like you're about to stop a war, and both the and both final bosses themes are probably some of the best songs in the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Like playing like facing Smithy and how he would create clones of the mon of many of the bosses that you had fought previously um, was such a cool and unique touch to a mid boss fight, especially a mid final boss fight. Yeah, it was always a nice touch. Um, just the entire uh, making your way through Smithy's world to get to him, just coming across different robotic versions of um, of previous villains fought and stuff like that and then yeah that just the, that entire fight is just fun both the um both the first phase and the final phase taking place in hell <laughs> you know basically uh, basically it's it's it was, it was very satisfying as i said this is my first rpg so like uh, I can't remember. I really don't remember finishing many games in my life, but I will remember the first time I beat uh, Smithy's first phase and the first time I beat Smithy's second phase probably for my the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, at uh, Anoriand on Twitter, one of my favorite games of all time and one of the two games I credit as making me truly love RPGs. Hey, same exact thing as me there. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> plenty of personal memories I can share, but my favorite parts are meeting Gino, the coolest character I had seen at the time, and learning the truth about Mallow. And if you want personal stuff, so I moved three-ish hours across Massachusetts when I was seven years old. At the time, we had to go back and forth between... Uh, we had to go back and forth before moving to work on the house we moved to. I had a small suitcase I could use to take games or stuff with me. I could fit the SNES, my Game Boy, a book, and about three SNES cartridges in it. The three games it took for every trip, Super Mario World, Final Fantasy 2, or well, Final Fantasy 4, and Super Mario RPG. And I played that by the, I played that the most by far. I liken the adventure to the adventure I was on by moving. Silly as it sounds now, as a kid it brought me a lot of comfort and I still look extra fondly on the game to this day and played it every so often just because it helps me make it helps make me smile and remind me of when I lost all of my friends and was still okay. 
See another another sweet story we got here. Uh, yeah, I actually relate to this one really well. Um, I had a uh, purple Ninja Turtle suitcase, uh, like a kid size suitcase, and I had divorced parents. My lived about an hour apart, so dad was in New York City, mom was in uh, Stamford, Connecticut. So you know, um, hour plus drive or anywhere from a forty-five minute to an hour train ride plus additional subway trips and stuff like that. But every time I would go back and forth, I had my Super Nintendo inside this uh, purple Ninja Turtle suitcase, and I could fit roughly, you know, up to six games if I didn't stuff it closed. And what was always in there? Super Mario RPG. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing I remember. And I remember it was always in there because I still have that suitcase with my Super Nintendo (laughs) and my entire SNES collection in my closet uh, in in my bedroom to this day. Hell yeah. I relate very strongly to that particular story. Yeah. In this is one of I love memories and thoughts like this that people have shared while doing this show, showing that how much video games and RPGs and really video games in general can help people or kids or whomever make it through rough times, kind of be that uh that good thing, that kind of shining beacon of positivity uh during during tough times for sure um, and stories like this strike a chord because i used rpgs and games when my parents were going through a divorce i used rpgs this past year getting through all the pandemic stuff um so it, it it's always really great and war- heartwarming to see that other people get such a positive benefit and joy out of a, a genre that I I love so much and it's always happy to see other people uh, having similar similar feelings towards it so thank mm. you for sharing Anorient. next up we have user at DJ Stormageddon on Twitter I love the scene in Rosetown where Mario plays with the young boy and his toys and the boy makes Barry makes Mario play as Bowser. That whole section leading up to and including the forest maze is some of my favorite stuff in the whole game. I had, yep. I had forgotten about that part, but the boy wanted to play as Mario, so Mario had to play as Bowser. Exactly. I mean, like, it's so, so many nice touches. That that scene mm-hmm. itself, and every, again, everything by Rosetown through the forest maze is just... It's just comfort food at this point. I've actually... Uh, talk, that's, you know... Uh, friend of mine, Matt Storm, who wrote yeah. that, and I've talked to him about that before, uh, I think in passing, and like, that, that that's, it's literally just comfort food, the video game, that whole section. Oh, hands down. And it's, it's so reminiscent of the childhood, like, I remember playing with my action figures and like forcing someone to be the bad guy, or like friends <laughs> to be the bad guy, just so I could be the hero. Uh, oh, see, I always stuff. wanted to be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> I was all about playing as the villain, and I got really offended if anyone gave me a hero character. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I wish we would have lived closer to each other then. Hey. <laughs> would have been perfect. <laughs> would have been perfect, uh, perfect matchup. All right. Uh, looks like we got one more here from uh, user One Day One Room on Reddit. My first rented it over and over, seeing how far I could get each time. For a two-evening rental over a weekend, I usually made it to Monstro Town. Never ended up beating it until it was available on the Wii Virtual Console. I had such, It had such engaging, recurring villains, never tiring, even for such a short game. Croco is a classic, a bit reminiscent of Ultros. 
Balome is a deli is delightfully bizarre. Booster is Wario before Wario got popular, and Frogfuge is constantly trying to snake oil you into believing he was magic is great. Such a great game that seems to get forgotten a lot these days. Um, I just like that my four favorite characters in the game just got name checked back to back to back. In, yeah, in there you I go. Just, I mean, Croco is. I love Croco. I literally mm -hmm. named. Um, uh, we have this puppet, a uh, little like alligatory dinosaur thing for my kids that I named Croco. Uh, as he said, Balome is just this bizarre, weird. Like, Balome's the first real challenge mm -hmm. of the game when you first come across it. Um, and like, just became a really interesting villain that also you end up talking to later because not again, like as, as a previous user said, uh, not everything's a villain. Uh, Booster is such a favorite of mine that I, I never actually made the Wario connection until just now. Mm -hmm. but Booster is such a favorite of mine that on my old Mixer channel, I used to have um, a button that people could press and spend with whatever the currency of Mixer you see, Sparks or whatever. And it was the Booster button, and it would just make Booster just appear on the screen with his theme <laughs> song playing. He got bigger and bigger and bigger before like some weird fan art appeared, and then Bowser cried. <laughs> like It was so dumb. But it was the most popular button on my channel because it was just so dumb, and I always Perfect. and I always loved the weirdness of the character, and how he needed everything explained. Obviously, Frogfuchus being a snake oil salesman is a classic. I'm gonna go out on a limb right here. I, I might get some hate for it, but I don't care. I stand that Booster is better than Wario. I well, I don't actually like Wario personally in general, so the, the, yeah. realizing that. That similarity right there like irked me a, a little bit. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely true uh, the similarities, but like Wario to me is a uh, is the gross out character. Booster is just a naive idiot. I feel like, he, like he's a naive naive idiot at worst and just misunderstood at best mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like he's a character who literally just does not understand anything he is doing. He just like, well, yep. I I have a castle tower thing. Ergo, I should get married to a princess. What's a princess? What, what's marriage? What's a woman? <laughs> like, like he just does not understand anything yeah. at all, and it's so ridiculously endearing. And then he gets married, and he's like, he goes to the wedding. He's like, I mean, I just wanted to eat the cake. Like, he just wanted the party. Yeah. yeah, he wanted a party, and he wanted to eat a cake. The cake happening to be a sentient villain you just beat up. It's like, it's everything with Booster is just surreal nonsense, and it's mm -hmm. glorious. I would love a Booster game. I, I just Booster want the character to, to come back. More. Yeah, Booster just needs to come back. Booster for Smash. Booster, come back. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, who submitted all your fantastic memories and moments from this game. The outpouring of love for this game it was surreal. So many, so, so many responses. I will be sure to, as always, put the link to the subreddits in the... Uh, ep this episode's description so please go check them out interact with the community it's it, it was amazing there are some very very good moments that unfortunately i wasn't able to include it this in this episode but you should still definitely check out and thank you once more to everyone who submitted Now, let's say, after hearing Josh and I and all the others speak of this and sing the praises of Super Mario RPG, you are wondering where you can find it yourself. Well, currently, 
Uh, digitally, it is still available on the Wii U eShop for $7.99. That is, at the time of recording, in the U.S. anyway, the U.S. eShop is still active. Like, it's still online, so you can still get it. But who knows how long that will last. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for a physical version of it, according to PriceCharting.com, a loose cartridge uh, copy of Super Mario RPG would run will run you about sixty bucks, so not the worst when it comes That's not to bad s- at all. Super Nintendo. Yeah, it's basically the price of uh, modern day system games, so not horrible. A complete in box price, you're looking at about two hundred. <laughs> that goes up a bit, and brand new, you're looking at over six hundred dollars. So. Bit or pricey. just luck out and get a Super NES Classic. That's technically physical and digital simultaneously. It's true. <laughs> it it bridges the gap, but it can be hard to get. I don't even know what the Super NES Classics are going for these days. I have no idea. I just I lucked out and got one as a pre-order. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I just lucked out and got that, but I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, if you are able to understand Japanese... Uh, the Japanese versions are significantly cheaper. A loose cart of the Japanese Super Famicom version looks like it will only be about $8. A, a complete Famicom uh, copy will net you about $26. And new in price, I have a hard time believing, believing this, but they're saying it's $61. Okay. I, okay, so I, I guess if you can find a brand new copy of the Super Famicom version, go that route? Sure. Uh, I'm curious about the SNES Classic now. So I'm, I'm quickly going on eBay. Okay, so a Super Nintendo Classic currently is going for about 230 Between 150 and 230 Okay. I mean, overpriced, but not terrible, all things considered. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. But yes, I would recommend if you have a Wii U, just snag it off the Wii U eShop before it uh, before that all gets taken down. Or pray to the Nintendo Switch gods that they just get over it and put it on the system already. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, we all know it's happening eventually. It's just it's just when that whole Nintendo Switch Classic s- service just makes me angry. It should, but no, that's yep. that's that's an entirely different conversation. Exactly. Uh, and RPG U is about positivity. So, we don't want that. <laughs> well, let's say you have found yourself a copy by some means to play Super Mario RPG, and you're wondering, man, I could really use your help. Well, Josh and I are here to help you with that as well. Josh, what tips or advice would you give to brand new Mario RPG players? I mean, the one I the one I wrote out here is to uh, revisit old locales from time to time. You know, it's it, it's a kind of basic RPG tip to go back to previous places, but uh, um, it was one that I learned from this game, and sometimes you might just forget it in general. But like, uh, new people appear like early on in the game in, in the Mushroom Kingdom, you come across Raz and Rainy who are planning for their wedding. But like you will come across them at various times, either uh, during your actual travels into the into these areas, or sometimes revisiting them. And you'll come across them, you know, uh, their wedding, their honeymoon, and you know you might not have, uh, have thought of that before. And then uh, we mentioned earlier like the Great Guys Casino thing, but like you know former enemies like Knife Guy and Great Guy appear. Great Guy in his casino, Knife Guy giving you uh, a mini game that you find midway up, mid to late way up. Uh, Booster's Tower, and it's, you know, um, 
figure out which hand the ball is in kind of game. And that's how you unlock the, uh, what is it, the card that lets you get in. So, like, my best, best advice is just uh, double back every now and again. Literally, the worst-case scenarios. oh, no, you level up a little bit more and you hear some amazing music, you know? Oh, it sounds uh, awful. Come back to places because it's it's fun to explore. How about yours, Scott? For me, I would say if you really want to turn this game onto easy mode, we touched upon this a little earlier when we were talking about how kind of easily it is to break this game, Equip the Lazy Shell to Peach as her armor. This item you get in Rosetown by using the Gardener Seed and Fertilizer, which will allow you to get up into the clouds. By equipping the Lazy Shell as her armor, it will, in essence, turn her into an unkillable machine. It, as an armor, it grants immunity to all status ailments and most elemental attacks, and it also ups the defense and mid- magic defense for the character incredi- like, incredibly high. Uh, the boost is so great, your character, Peach in this case, will only take about one to two points of damage. And with her being such a good healer, you don't ever have to worry about your healer dropping. So you can just keep reviving or just have her just keep whacking bosses with her frying pan. This mm-hmm. also includes Q-Lex, the super boss, goes down with very little problem. As long as you have the lazy shell equipped to, in my my preference, Peach. The realization that the Lazy Shell is actually not the best armor for Mario and is, in fact, the best armor for Peach was, like, revolutionary for me when I when I realized that when I was younger, when I, mm-hmm. when I learned that. Because, it, yeah, as you said, it literally just t- turns her into a heal tank, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. It doesn't matter what happens to the other characters in your party. You will destroy them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why it's easy mode. Exactly. We are on to my favorite part of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Josh, what enemy have you brought to the arena this time? I had a, I, I really thought about this for a while because I was like, I was churning through enemies in my head. I was like thinking like Mac the Knife I was really into, and I was thinking about just like some of the smaller enemies, like not like just big bosses and stuff. I was thinking Boyer and stuff, but the one that sticks out to me is, is uh, Yuridovich, um, uh, which is the enemy you come across in, uh, what is it, in Seaside Town. Uh, it's the fifth star piece, and what's great about it is you don't know you, this person sending it, but you're you know, you, you enter this gloomy town of Seaside Town. You're sent on this quest, um, and you you know then go and fight uh, Johnny. You go into the sea, do all these other things, and you come back, you know, with the star piece, only to have it snatched from you. Because turns out, every person in the town was a broken apart piece of this boss called Yorinovich, and um, you know. They're the one who summons the airship with the Axum Rangers and stuff like that, and they do all these things, but the boss battle itself was incredibly hard when I was younger because they uh, they summon a mirror a mirror version of themselves, and they do incredibly damaging moves. Um, it's actually one of those cases where Mallow is one of the best party members to have on your team um, because Mallow does mm-hmm. just a, a, immense damage to the character, but, like... Yeah, like it's it was just a, it was just a fun a, a fun boss fight. It's it's very very good. But for Yuretovich's stats, he has a 
The main body, not one of his mirages, has 1500 HP. His attack value is at 125 with defense at 85. He has a 0% chance to evade. He'll drop 150 coins when you take him out. His flower points are at 100. His magic attacks at 70 with a magic defense of 75 with a 0% chance to evade magic. He'll give you 120 experience points when you beat him. He has a speed value of 20. He's weak to thunder and strung against fear, poison, sleep, mute, and critical hits. His spells include Water Blast, Flamestone, and Will-O-Wisp. And his special attacks include Pierce and Glowing Shot. So be careful when you fight Yardovich. Well, Josh, that's going to do it for another episode. Thank you so much for joining me yet again here at RPG University. I very much appreciate it. Ah, thank you for inviting me. I, you know, as I said, I really enjoyed being on the show last time. I loved it this time, and you had me on to talk about pretty much uh, either my it's either my favorite video game of all time or my second favorite video game of all time. It's what launched my love mm-hmm. of RPGs, like. Nah, this was this was a blast. So thank you so much for the invite and for uh, letting me talk Super Mario RPG with you. Of course, uh, as when I saw that this was one of your favorite games, it's like I've been wanting to talk about this. It's like gotta gotta have you on for some Super Mario RPG. So I very much appreciate you taking some time to come and nerd out with me about this fantastic game. But where can people find you online? What do you got cooking? Go ahead, plug yourself and all that wonderful good content you make. I mean, if you're a member of uh, media or an influencer or something like that, you're probably getting emails from me for Stripe PR stuff. Just look at those. But if you're interested in my gaming thoughts or any other thoughts that I may have or to hear me go on a rant about Super Mario RPG at complete random, probably at 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at BearPunch, B-E-A-R-P-U-N-C-H. The best place to find me on the Internet. Perfect. Give him a follow. He does awesome stuff. So, And also, shout out to Stride PR. You guys are awesome over there. Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we, that... we, we rep some really cool uh, indie games, and I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't yes, plug do. them when I'm on shows, but, like, uh, but like yeah, I'm, I'm, I got some really cool indie games under my belt right now, so I'm really excited for uh, 2021 and onward. Awesome. We need all the good vibes and good things in 2021 we can we can get. So I look okay. forward to seeing what you got cooking. But that is going to do it for another episode here at RPG University. I want to thank you, everyone who's listened to this episode. Be sure to rate and review it on your preferred podcast service, as I would really appreciate it. And if you have an RPG that you would like to hear an episode on or be a guest on RPG University... Tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with what you'd like us to hear or what what game you would like us to talk about or what game you would like to talk about. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.